0: Now over to
1: Pastor Steve. This is Healing Sunday, and this is also the opportunity that we take to do communion together, to come to the Lord's table. And I, I'm i always excited about these kind of moments, particularly because this is one of those few things that the Lord specifically gave us that we should, in a physical manner, do together that represents spiritual things. There's not many of them. I know you might think that based upon some of the denominational experiences that you've came from, that you think like there's gajillions of things physically that we're supposed to be doing, but the Lord did not give us as many sacraments. Those are what those those processes are generally called. The Lord did not give us as many sacraments as some of the denominations experience. I'm not uh, I'm not dumping on them. I'm not saying they're terrible people. But we're, we should be spirit beings encountering our Father in the spirit. And if he's only given us some, some specific physical things that we can do to appropriate those blessings, then we should call what God calls things and not call things the way God doesn't call them. Just like he told Adam in the garden... I'm gonna stand here, you're gonna name all the animals, and the end of you naming them, that will be their name. So in perfection, in sinless perfection, under the guise of our Father, by the wisdom of the Spirit, whatever we name a thing, that's the name of it. And so if you start to name something, like yourself, something other than what God calls you, There's gonna be confusion, there's gonna be internal strife. For example, if you call yourself a sinner and God calls you righteous, you're in a fight. And I hope you don't win. If you call yourself sick and God says, by the stripes of my son, you're healed, you're in a fight. And I pray diligently that you do not win. I don't want you to win every fight that you fight. Sometimes we need to submit. And sometimes we need to fight like a fat kid who's about to get his snicker bar taken away. <laughs> Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20. This is obviously by Matthew 26, you can probably figure out this is towards the end of Matthew's gospel. So this would be, Towards the end of the ministry of Jesus here on earth, when evening came, Jesus was reclining with the 12 disciples. Please note that this is the 12. This is the close ones. This is the intimate group of guys that he himself poured life and eventually limb into to try to make sure that what he left, the legacy, the destiny that he left through them and their life and their ministry was going to be done right. And if Jesus pours himself into people and they don't always get it done right, then all of you out there that are discipling or ministering to other people, don't put some kind of pressure on you to do it perfect because the outcomes would be perfect in the people that you're ministering to. Jesus perfectly ministered to people, and they walked right away from him and screwed it up. So unless you're a better minister than Jesus, some people are going to just, I mean, they're like born for the purpose of doing things the wrong way. I'm not naming no names. I'm not looking at nobody. It's all these YouTube people out there. It's nobody in this room, but... I am sometimes shocked, like I literally gave you one, two, three, and you went out and did Z seven W four. What what just happened? Well, I this is what I thought you said. <laughs> and and I, I sometimes I like, uh, I wanna get all frustrated, but then how many times did the Lord minister something super what seemed like super simple to us? In retrospect, we look back, we're like, duh, didn't you understand that he was going to die and go to heaven or go to hell and then come back? No, they didn't. So he kept saying it, and they're like, Lord, you know, Peter, (laughs) Lord, let me correct you on uh, your doctrine and your theology. Obviously, you have it wrong because I am Peter. (laughs) (laughs) And we do this to Jesus pretty often. Lord, 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 you don't understand. (laughs) Let me explain the situation to you so you get it better understood because i'm praying over here and i don't see you doing what i need you to do so obviously you don't understand and god's like oh please please give me all the information that i don't have about your situation jesus was reclining with the guys that he poured himself into and this was like it if i would have been jesus this would have been super nervous not just over the fact that i was going to die I mean, you know, that's all good. But I was about to leave my ministry with these guys. (laughs) Amen. I I mean, Ryan and Bob, Pastor Craig, these guys are way better than these guys. You know, when I go away, I'm like, man, thank God, we've got so many great leaders at Beloved Church. Jesus is like, man, I'm going away forever. And it's these guys. And while they were eating, Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. What? This is great dinner conversation. (laughs) You know, when you come over to Pastor Steve's house, we're like, hey, do you want to play chicken foot, phase 10, or you just want to like sit around and talk about the kingdom, or both? Jesus is like, ah, so, yep, one of you is a traitor. You're going to kill me. (laughs) I thought this lamb was tasting good till then. <laughs> and he starts it off with truly. You know, whenever Jesus starts off something with truly, this is like one of his words pay attention. I'm saying something really important. Not that everything that Jesus says is not important, but this is like pay close attention. Truly. Verse 22 they were deeply grieved. Why? Because they loved him. This is going to probably jack with you, but there was love in Judas for Jesus. It wasn't agape love. It wasn't allegiant love. It wasn't loyal love. And it wasn't enough to deal with the temptations that came to him. But he had a love for Jesus. He served him. All day, every day, seven days a week, for months and years. You don't do that because you're bored. Because you hate the guy. This is why I'm, I'm really purposeful about trying to make sure that I reiterate over, and over, and over, if you think emotions are divine, you are gonna set yourself up for incredible amounts of destruction, pain, and misery. But pastor, I really love him. He's really a good guy. Okay. I'm not even saying you don't love him, but you don't love him right. This kind of love that Judas had for Jesus got Jesus betrayed. Your emotions will betray you. I promise you. Don't follow your emotions. Emotion, emotions make terrible masters and wonderful slaves. They were deeply grieved and began to ask him one after another, surely not I, Lord. Anybody ever anybody ever been there? Lord, I know someone's gonna miss it one day. Someone's gonna sin. But I mean, we both know that you're not talking to me, right? This is this is why, just so you guys know, this is why for some of you, because you're you're not quite there yet. You're, you're growing in your maturity. You're, you're, you're getting better. You're, you're becoming more humble. You're becoming more submissive. I believe this. I honestly believe this. But I'm telling you that some of you, the only way that I, Steve Castle, am going to be able to speak truth into your life is here, from this pulpit, in generics. It's the only way. Because if I stood in front of you and it was me and you eyeball to eyeball and I told you about some of the junk in your life, you would claw my eyes out and I would never see you again I just got a letter from someone who quit the church last week you have direct conversations with people and their stuff it is it's on like Donkey Kong and we do not have the maturity in Christianity anymore to fight through the stuff you know in 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 the first church days you couldn't quit You couldn't, there was one church. You left the church, you were out. You didn't get to go down the street and say, you know what, that pastor down the street, oh, come here, honey, I know, I've heard about pastor's (laughs) teeth. You didn't get to do that, you quit the church. You had no contact with the people, you had no more way back in, you didn't go find the backup group, you didn't go get you another family, how disgusting is that? Well, I hate this family. I'm getting me another one. You wouldn't do that in the natural. How do you do it in the spirit? <laughs> the only way for some of you that I can actually speak truth into you is to just paint with a broad brush and say, hey, here's a truth. And you have one of those those amazing moments where your heart is open, and you're like, hey, you know what? I think that's from God for me. And then you hear that truth and you're and you're blessed by it and you change or you repent or whatever happens. And that's great, and and, and I'm happy about that. But a better way is to sit with the Lord and the Lord to say, hey, maybe something's not quite right in your life. Face-to-face, one-on-one, and you wrestle through the, but we know that things aren't right in our life. That's the part that gets me about this. If I know someone loves me, truly loves me, and they're willing to sit with me and say things aren't quite right in my life, I am thankful. I am thankful. Because if I'm not living my life in a way to be the best husband that God's called me to do, to be the best brother, to be the best sister, not to this. (laughs) I want to be the best that God made Steve Castle to be. And I know, maybe you don't I know that there's a bunch of things in my life That I don't see And I need help These disciples were sitting there One of them was the betrayer And 11 of them were close brothers With the betrayer And they were all like, wait, what? Don't think that you know Every single thing that's going on in your heart You need help Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. They were deeply grieved and began to ask one another. Notice they're asking one another. Is it it, it you, Peter? Not not me. Thomas? Nathaniel. Bartholomew. Bartholomew never gets any attention. It's got to be him. Jesus answered, the one who's dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me dipped his hand into the bowl i want you to go with this how intimate is that you know how close judas was and in some denominations they're called confessional uh, denominations In some confessional denominations the way they do communion is called intinction and intinction is where you tear off a piece of the loaf where a minister will stand there with a loaf of bread and you come up to the minister you tear off a piece of the loaf and then you dip it into the cup and then you take the bread and the wine the cup the juice whatever you take it together as one and that's called intinction and uh, in the trace Dias community those of you that are part of that that's a, that's kind of the normal way they do it and we, I don't do that because I want to draw a clear distinction between the bread, which is the body, and the blood, which is the cup. I want to draw a clear distinction so I don't do the intention, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. That's kind of what Jesus is referring to here. Someone at this table was so close to me that while I held the cup, they dipped their bread in the cup while I had it. Don't you know, like, the, they locked eyes. Judas, looked Jesus in the eye. (laughs) There's a lot to learn there. I've been done that way. Look me in the eye. Pastor. Brother. Steve. The one who's dipped his hand in a bowl with me will betray me. Notice, will betray me we would kind of look at this story and we would say that he already has because he's already covenanted with the Sanhedrin for the 30 pieces of silver. But note the Lord's language. He hasn't betrayed him yet. There was still space. There was still love for Judas. There was still opportunity for for Judas. You know Jesus washed Judas's feet? Just imagine that. You're sitting there. The one you've covenanted for 30 pieces of silver to betray is literally washing your feet right now. In love. In love. You know, his touch. The touch of Jesus. Just his hem of his garment healed the woman with the issue of blood. The the power of God exuding from Jesus at times. You, You probably could could taste it, you could smell it, you could feel it in a crowd. And that person is washing your feet. And you know that you know, as soon as you get the chance, you're betraying him for 30 pieces of silver. And the reason I'm kind of drilling in on this is because we are all, before you go throwing stones at Judas, we are all capable of endless depths of evil and wickedness. Unrestrained by the Spirit of God and unrestrained by our covenant, we are all capable of endless depths. Hell has no bottom, and sin has no satisfaction. In this intimate, most intimate moment is when this was going on. Verse 24, And the Son of Man will go just as it's written about him, but woe. That wasn't a word that Jesus just threw around. Woe to that man by whom he's betrayed. Notice it was the man that betrayed him. Any of you want to do the devil made me do it thing? It's all Satan's fault. You know, I'm I'm innocent. Jesus didn't say woe to the spirit behind Peter. He didn't say woe to Satan who got into, into Judas. It was Judas. You have responsibility for everything you do and don't do. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. We have responsibility to both. Woe be it unto the man by whom he is betrayed. It would be better for him if he had not been born. That is a radical statement. Just so you know, the pro-choice crowd, they'll use those words. Well, Jesus said that Judas should have been aborted. It's not what he said. His choices made it so that his life ended the wrong way. He still had the choice. Then Judas, who would betray him, who would betray him, said, surely not I, Rabbi. (laughs) I've... I've been in this moment with the Lord before. It, it's, it's not me. Lord, that, that impression that you're putting in my heart, those things you're speaking to me, that verse that I'm reading that's just like, blech, that's, that, that doesn't apply to me. That's not me. Uh, that one's for Kay. In fact, I'll go prophesy to her right now. You ever been sitting in church and the preacher said the thing and you're like, oh boy, mind if I hu- my husband heard that? <laughs> in fact, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to text him right now. Make sure you watch this message today, honey. <laughs> Judas, surely not I, Rabbi. Right? You're talking to Nathaniel, that guy. Nobody likes him. He knew. He knew what he was already planning to do. Surely not I. And he was good with his rouse because none of the disciples figured it out. And I believe it's in Luke's gospel, it says, and when when he got up, because he he gets up after this and he leaves, when he got up, all the disciples said that they thought that he was going out to give money to the poor because he was the one that kept the bag. He was the accountant. He had the checkbook. They literally thought, that he was going to give money to the poor. He left the Last Supper to go give money to the poor. That's what they thought. They did not know that Judas was the betrayer at the night that he was betraying him. And that also tells you how generous generous, generous Jesus' ministry was. So for all of you hanging onto your wallet with a death grip and white knuckles, jesus it was so common in Jesus' ministry for him to give money away that Judas popped up in the middle of the Lord's Supper and left, and the first thing they thought, the first thing they thought was, oh, he must be going to give money away. You know, if I was right in the middle of my sermon, I'm like, oh, i got to leave. Probably, and I'm a generous person, probably you're not thinking, oh, he's got to go give money to somebody. That's how generous the ministry of Jesus was. While they were eating, uh, I'm sorry, 25, then Judas, who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said it yourself. He, his words condemned him. I honestly believe that this was the moment that the betrayal became locked in. The confession of his mouth you know it's it's one thing to have some to have some wrestling going on in the inside of you stupid pastor with your dumb message i don't even like none of this stuff but you just keep it and smile at me and then the holy spirit and you six hours later you're like hey you know some of that might work i know i knew wasn't even saying it but i don't like it okay if you shut your mouth but the moment you open it up that's not for me now you've just committed yourself. You have verbally covenanted. You have to reject it now. You're going to have to fight for it to save your pride, to, save your, to, get, to stop yourself from getting into shame. As soon as he said it, the Lord said, that's it. Condemned it. While they were eating, uh, I'm sorry, and he took the cup. No, I'm sorry, 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, spoke a blessing, and broke it spoke a blessing Judas spoke his own condemnation Jesus spoke the blessing and broke it broke what? there's something subtle going on he broke the blessing We're going to get into this in a minute. Jesus became the curse. He spoke a blessing and broke it and gave it, the bread, to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is kind of like a representation of my body. This is my body. they knew what was going on they weren't just having like mcdonald's and he's like hey you want a piece of my bun my big mac bun sure they knew what was happening here this was the passover meal this this was given to them by god that they had to do it in a very specific fashion if anybody's ever been to a seder dinner that you Every movement, everything on the table, every activity has a very, very important aspect. These disciples just weren't in here having a free-for-all buffet. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 let's do something serious for a minute. This whole thing was serious. And he said, this is my body. Now, the body back then in the Passover meal was the body of manna. Representated. If you can remember back to the Passover meal, they had bread and they had lamb. Lamb for the sacrifice, the sin sacrifice of the people, and the bread was representative of the manna that they would get from God in the desert. So when they celebrated it for thousands of years after the exodus, they all knew bread, manna from heaven. So Jesus was saying, break me. I'm the manna from heaven and consume me. Jesus took bread, spoke a blessing and broke it, gave it to the disciples saying, take, eat. This is my body. Eating is the process of you taking something from the outside and making it part of all of who you are. This is why God told uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, John, uh, the revelatory, John in the book of Revelation. This is why he told them, eat the scroll. Don't just read the scroll, boys. Eat it. Make it part of who you are. Jesus should be a consumed part of your identity. Then he took the cup verse 27, and gave thanks, gave thanks for his blood that was going to be shed, every drop of his blood that was going to be tortured out of his body. Gave thanks. Thank you, Lord, that I get to die brutally in torturous fashion at the hands of ungodly people for ungodly reasons. Thank you, Jesus. We get like one, one millionth of this kind of suffering that might come into our Christian life, and we complain for weeks and make sure everybody knows about it and write the longest Facebook post ever. I was on the road, and somebody passed me. What's the rest of the story? No, that's it. Someone passed me, evil, wicked people. I'm being persecuted for Jesus. I bet you they're demonic. Because they passed you? We are so self-centered that any little thing that happens in our life, like, we got to blow it up and tell the whole world. Jesus is about to die for the whole world, unjustly, And he's thanking the Father for the opportunity. Thank you, Father, for this cup. Because he cares more for us than he cared for him. He took the cup, gave thanks, gave to them, saying, drink ye all of it. How much of it? How much of his atonement should you receive? Well, I don't like that prosperity gospel. Better shut your mouth fine you don't want money you don't want to be prosperous you don't want to have in your life what jesus paid for you to have fine that's your prerogative god won't force nothing on you but you better shut up about it because jesus paid for that that prosperity you're rejecting he paid for it and he said drink the whole cup so if you're not drinking that part of the cup that's fine you keep it to yourself Don't be spreading that around, like acting like you're pious and holy. Well, I don't need money. Really? Do you go to work? Well, I just need that much money. Oh, so it's just about you. You go to work enough for you, but not someone else. No, I'm just, you know, poverty and humility go hand in hand. Okay. Got it. Check. You're going to struggle in heaven this is my body verse 20, uh, this is my blood verse 28 of the covenant which is poured out poured out poured out this is how much God wanted you to have it he poured it out this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins whose sins? it's a good question you need to know the answer most people say mine okay that's, that's lesser on the list everybody's everywhere for all time the sins you haven't yet committed the sins that you're implying toward the person sitting next to you All, all them. But when we turn this like, well, my sins. Aren't you a darling little thing? Princess or prince of, of a person that it was just all about you. Everybody else was just, well, he had to forgive them, but he really wanted to forgive me.
0: Hmm.
1: All sins for all people for all time. That's what he paid for. When you imply that somebody else needs to stay in their condemnation because you're more forgiven than them, you've just done something with the cup that you should not have done. 29, I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is thirsty. He is waiting for us to get this kingdom wrapped up for him. The return, the only second return of the Lord. (laughs) I'll just, I'll say it real quick and some people won't catch it. (laughs) Here I go getting momentum the non-rapture of the Lord when he actually comes back for the last time (laughs) I'm going to pay for that when he returns we're going to have a meal Jesus is thirsty and his return is waiting on you until we reclaim this earth he does not have the right to come back and to take his rightful place on the throne of the world Right now, he rules in his kingdom. We're going to get into eschatology later. So any of you that just got freaked out about the rapture thing, just put your guns away. (laughs) Unload them. I'm not your enemy. I'll give you the Bible. Later on, I just gave you something to chew on until then. So you can smile at me and silently hate me on the inside. Who said something against the rapture? It's like my child. Verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn. This is the only time in scripture that Jesus led his disciples in a song. To celebrate his death. You know when we usually want people, when we usually lead people into singing for us? on our birthday, so they can celebrate us. Hey, hey, guys at work, you know it's my birthday today, right? (gasps) We're sorry we didn't know. Happy birthday, celebrate you. (laughs) Praise and worship your holy name. Jesus is about to die for everybody, so you know what he does? Hey, let's sing. I'm about to be tortured and put to death. Let's sing. He has a way different opinion about things going on in this natural world than we do. Then they went to the Mount of Olives. We all know what happened at the Mount of Olives. He, he struggled. He fought through. He needed to process what he was about to have happen. And he did it in intimacy with his Lord. St. Augustine of Hippo, who's one of the patristic fathers in Christianity has this quote i want to read this to you in this loaf of bread you are given clearly to understand how much you should love unity i mean was that loaf made from one piece of grain weren't there many grains of wheat but before they came into the loaf they were all separated They were joined together by means of water after a certain amount of pounding and crushing. Anybody got to Beloved Church after a certain amount of pounding and crushing? I'm the pastor. Sometimes I get it on the way to church. Unless wheat is ground after all and moistened with water it cannot possibly get into the shape which we call bread unless jesus was ground and crushed by this world he could not become that manna from heaven for you unless you are ground and crushed in your christian walk you cannot become part of the loaf of the body of christ This is why some people are still pieces of grain off there, out there, and they're wondering why everybody else is part of the bread. Then came baptism, and you were, in a manner of speaking, moistened with water, in order to be shaped into bread. But it's not yet bread without fire. Some people might submit to the crushing and the grinding of their grain. Some people might even submit to having having a minister dunk them in water and make them wet but how many people truly submit to the process of fire coming in their life and baking them into a loaf so what does fire represents that's the chrism the anointing oil the fire feeder you see is the sacrament of the holy spirit You see, he breathes into us the charity which should set us on fire for God and have us think lightly of the world and burn up our straw and purge and refine our hearts like gold. So the Holy Spirit comes fire after water and you are baked into the bread, which is the body of Christ. And that is how unity is signified. But just as one loaf is made from single grains collected together and somehow mixed, look around this room, we got some weird grain. <laughs> <laughs> Which is my favorite kind of bread. I asked Kay to get me the bread that's got, that's the whole grain, whole loaf, wheat, you know, what has got like all the seeds falling off of it. And I'm about to tell on myself. At the end of the loaf, when it's all done, you know, you take the butt, the last piece, which is one of my, I love the butts. The two butts are my favorite. And I'd slather jelly on that, but this is my dessert. At lunch, if I have a normal dessert, this is my dessert. I take the butt of the loaf and I put a uh, homemade jam or jelly that one of y'all made for me and gave me and then i take super extra crunchy natural peanut butter you know where you got to stir in the grease because it's like yeah and i put that on there about a half inch thick and this is my that's my dessert at at lunch or my one meal a day and at the end of the loaf Kay didn't even know this yet at the end of the loaf when I, when we got to the bottom of the loaf i'll take the loaf the bag of bread and all the little seeds and all the then I'll pour that right on top and I'll move it. It's like a Dutch apple peanut butter piece of butt bread that's like <laughs> sit in my office and just drool over that sucker. Like, man, let me get through the lunch till I can eat. Cause I want all of that. I want, the, I want the little black seeds, the little white seeds, the little flat seeds, the little fat seeds. I want all those seeds on my bread because it's gonna be the best piece of bread. I want all of your seeds on my bread. All of your weird seeds, all your white seeds, your black seeds, your old seeds, your young seeds, your fat seeds, your thin seeds. I want all your seeds on my bread because we together are gonna be the best loaf that God could have possibly baked. But just as one loaf is made from single grains collected together and somehow mixed in with each other into dough, so is the same way the body of Christ made By one together in the harmony of charity. And what grains are for the body of Christ? Grapes are for his blood. Because wine too comes out of the press. And what was separated one by one is many grapes flows together into unity and becomes wine. How do you get wine? Lots of grapes. Crushed. Aged. How do you get bread? Many grains crushed and baked together. You are the Lord's body. This both in the bread and in the cup, there is a mystery. The sacrament of unity. 1 Corinthians 10, 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. 15, I speak to reasonable people. Are you reasonable? I speak to reasonable people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of blessing that we bless a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body for we all participate in that one loaf. Many members, one body. Many grains, one loaf. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, so that there would be, this is in the amplified version. Listen to this closely. This is powerful. So that there would be no division or discord in the body. That is lack of adaptation of the parts to each other. But that the parts may have the same concern for one another. The same. Con- are you as concerned for your neighbor in this room as you are you? And if one member suffers, they keep it to themselves because if they tell anybody at church, they're going to end up condemning them over and making them feel bad because they're not full of faith enough to get over the thing that's making them suffer. Ugh, hate that. Kay and I were in there for years. Well, if you had more faith, you wouldn't have that problem. Nobody, shut up. Sorry, the kids are still here. Don't ever say what your pastor just said. (laughs) Don't talk that way. You are going to suffer. Welcome to Christianity. I mean, authentic Christianity. Not the fake churchianity that says, hey, everything's going to be great, and God's going to come down and sprinkle pixie dust on you, and you're going to ride a rainbow all the way to the end. That, that, That version of Christianity, good luck with that. After you get crushed by Satan, come on over to Beloved Church and we'll tell you how it really works. Are there blessings in God? Yep. Is there suffering? Yep. They go together. So if you've got a version of Christianity with no suffering, you don't have a Christ version of Christianity. And if one member suffers all the parts, I'm a part. When you suffer, I suffer. When you don't tell me you're suffering, I still suffer, but now I suffer alone. This is why transparency and authenticity in the body of Christ is so, so, so important. And I feel terrible for those poor folks that don't have a church, that don't have an authentic church especially. How are you going to share in one another's burdens? How are you going to weep together and rejoice together when you don't have it together? All the parts, and if one member suffers, all the parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all the members share in the enjoyment of it. You you should testify so that we share together in that. Now you collectively are Christ's body, and individually you are members of it. Wait, what? Yep, they're both true at the same time. Collectively, you're Christ's body, but individually you're a member. God doesn't want to take your individuality away. He wants your individuality to accentuate the collective. And don't get all communist with me with the stupid wording. They stole the language and made it bad. The real word collective, us collected together, is a positive way. Don't let, the world, don't let the world determine to you what truth is because they're rejecting language, pure language. A boy is a boy. A girl is a girl. I'm going to keep saying it. When I see a girl, I'm going to say, yes, ma'am. I'm going to do it. And if they put me in jail for saying yes ma'am, I will dance a jig in that jail cell. I'm totally okay with that. But I'm not bowing my knee to their language. (laughs) Now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it. Each with his own special purpose and function. And if you're not doing it, we don't get it. I don't know who the heart of beloved church Lena, Illinois is, but thank God you're beaten. It's probably mom. <laughs> yeah, In fact, it, it is. Mom's the heart. I don't know what role you play. If you're the right hand if you're the leg if you're the kidney if you're whatever role it is i pray that when you're disconnected from the body that we can function without it and we can only have one appendix so not everybody gets to be well i'm in there when i'm in there and and who knows what i do and if they cut me out i'm out and who knows what all right kay has got a scar where they cut her appendix out i'm like what's an appendix do i don't know what happened after they took it out I felt better. Oh. I I don't know if science knows. I'm sure they have some answer. But you're not the appendix. Or the appendix has more importance than we all know or medically know. Whatever it is. Whatever you are is important. And the moment you say, well, they don't need me over there. I don't need to bring a gift. I'm just coming Sunday just to receive the awesome message. Bring it, Pastor. I double-dog dare you. Bring a good one. You brought a gift, Christ in you. We sang about it, and we need to share in that. So I'm going to have the ushers come down, and they're going to give you the elements. This is the bread which Jesus broke. This is his body, but now based upon what you just heard, this is not only his body, this is our body together. So I'm going to ask you to do something unique. You probably never had a preacher ask you to do this. But when you you take this bread, not only see that this is his body that he gave, but recognize the fact that his body became part of your body and then he brought your body into the body. (laughs) So we're going to share in unity with each other and we're going to share in unity in Christ, in the body. And the way that we're gonna do that is because we're going to have a belief of our redemption, our sinlessness, through what the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has produced for us. Jesus has redeemed us from, go ahead and, yep, you can go ahead and minister to everyone. Jesus has redeemed us from the sinfulness, from the failures of our past life, because he himself, has borne our sin. You know, he can't forgive you for something that, uh, let me do it this way, the, and I'm going to do this message in the future, I promise you it's coming, but there is a, there's a principle that I think that some of us haven't yet fully recognized in forgiveness, which is the Greek word is way more simple than your emotions make it. In the Greek, the word for forgiveness is to release a debt. To release a debt. That's what it means. I uh, know you're probably waiting for some mysterious or ethereal, super awesome, amazing spiritual principle or something. It's not. It means to release the debt. That means if I loan you 20 bucks and you're tired of chasing me down to get the 20 bucks back, you're finally like, ugh. Steve's a jerk, so I forgave you 20 bucks. You just forgave me. Now you can do it with a terrible attitude. Stupid Steve, with his poverty. (laughs) He must be a denominational Christian. You, you You can have that attitude and forgive. You know that? So some of you that are struggling with forgiveness, either receiving it or giving it, you, you can actually release a debt and have a terrible attitude over it and still release someone from a debt and still be free from the debt. It's not really beneficial because now you're gonna bear that burden every time you run into Steve. I've seen Steve at Walmart. Kay, every, nearly every week, Kay will come back from her Walmart trip and say, yep, I seen so-and-so. Yeah, did you talk to him? Nope, they seen me and turned the other way. Every week, every week. People that have left the church. Which is funny because they're mad at me. (laughs) If anybody quits the church, it's because of Steve. Nobody else has ever quit here because they're like, I can't believe Bob made popping noises. Like, I'm out of here, (laughs) stupid church. No, it's Steve said that thing. Steve called me out for the stupid. He said the only reason anybody's ever left this church, pretty for the most part, is because of Steve. So they're mad at Steve and they won't talk to Kay. I mean, say hi. Kay's actually like waved at him hi and they're like, and she's like, I know they seen me because they seen me and then they changed their face. <laughs> but we don't have anything against anybody. If, and if the worst person, we've had two, we've had basically three people split our church in the 12-year history of Beloved Church. <laughs> yeah, baby, we are rolling. If they walked in here right now and walked up here, I would stop the message to hug them and kiss them and likely cry because if they came in here, boy, howdy. That means something is going on in the inside of them. I have nothing, I can say this hand to God. I have nothing against a human being on this planet, under this planet, or above this planet, nothing. I have released all the debts. Now, some of them I've released with better attitudes than others. <laughs> Amen. I'd like to be super holy angel and just tell you everybody. I just love them all at the first second that they did stupid. No, there were some of them. Case I'd put the gun down. Okay, I could do ministry in jail. I know, put the gun down. But eventually, I had to get there because I don't want to see that person in the future and have the. I forgave you. Let me say it this way. You don't go to the throne of grace in Hebrews 4.16 and Jesus gives you that. I forgave you. You know what you get from him? I am so glad you're here. I did everything I could do to get you to this place, to this moment. His forgiveness for you had all the feels with it. He loves you so when you're taking this blood remember the fact that this isn't some duty that god had toward you he had no duty toward you you deserve hell and he chose by his love to bring you in to sacred space with his heart that's the cup you hold don't don't devalue that by filtering yourself through your sin and the bread this is the body his body and this body and this body has been broken we've experienced brokenness here you've experienced brokenness in yourself people have done you wrong people have betrayed you people have said terrible things to you and done terrible things to you. You've done terrible things to yourself. And all of that brokenness, Jesus took in his body and he became broken for you. So every time I take this bread, I always break it to remind myself that he was completely broken. He was crushed to the point of becoming the flour that baked the loaf Of what i experienced in this room on sunday he had to be crushed that much and broken that much so lord jesus we take the offering that you've made with your body we break it we accept it and we allow your brokenness to replace our brokenness and then we take you in and we receive your wholeness in your resurrection life and if you're ready to receive his wholeness then take the bread and this is the cup of the finished work of the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ and you've seen me read the verse to drink it all that's why it's a little cup So you can handle it But I want you to drink it all Don't leave nothing If it was important enough for him to bleed for it It's important enough for you to believe for it He wants every aspect of your life Touched by his finished work Give him the reward of his suffering I call you righteous and truly holy By his blood and if you're well ready to receive that in your identity, then take the cup. I'm going to help you believe, understand, and live in the redemption that we have through this atonement, specifically the redemption from the curse. This has come up um, more often than I had hoped for, that I desired. Because I kind of thought we were we were past this, but I noticed that these these kind of truths keep getting recycled in the body of Christ, mostly so uh, people can sell books and try to get you into their their cool uh, conferences. And specifically, one of them that I hate above all others, not only because it just flies in the face of the finished work of Christ, but also the here the main part that the reason that i hate this is because the bible could not be more clear that this is a false doctrine but if you've ever heard anybody preach on the fact that you have to be a part of a generational curse <laughs> because your great 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 grandfather looked at a dirty picture or something like that whatever the reason is if you've ever allowed that to be a part of your life or gotten into your brain in some way, hopefully today I'll explode it into a billion pieces until it's obliterated. Galatians chapter three, starting in verse 10, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. See, (laughs) we're cursed generationally. Hold on, it gets better. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That's a big curse. Verse 11, now it's clear that no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. Any righteous people in here? Are you living by calories or are you living by faith? Verse 12, the law, however, is not based on faith. (laughs) What? On the contrary, the man who does these things will live in them. Notice the quotes. In order for Paul to make these grandiose statements, these doctrinal truths, he had to quote a lot of Old Testament. FYI, if you have some doctrine that you can't quote your six or eight verses about to prove that your doctrine is right, it's probably not a doctrine, it's probably an opinion. We need to have way less opinions and way more doctrines. Amen. Thank you. The law, however, is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Verse 13. This is when Kay and I were young. Kay's 18, I was 20. We memorize this verse. You should memorize this verse. Galatians 3.13. You should say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree anytime the enemy comes in your life and says well you this is just a curse Just humanity, this is part of what you're going to have to experience. This is, this is anything that goes anywhere along curse. This verse needs to show up in your heart like Superman at the cry of Lois Lane. Right there. Nope, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for me. Because it's written, curse is anyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus hung on a tree. He hung on a tree. So that means he became my curse. If you have a cross around your neck, if you've got a cross in your home, which if you don't, how in the world did you get in this building? <laughs> <laughs> this is our Christian idolatry. i got to be a Christian. I have a cross. Okay. Christ redeemed us. Notice past tense your redemption from the curse took place before you were born into the curse oh boy you figure that one out and you're going to get into uh, thought processes that the average person would never allow happen verse 14 he redeemed us in order that the blessing promised to abraham would come something was stopping it from getting to you in Christ Jesus, that by faith we might have, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So I'm going to do some quick expository preaching through those, those what is it, four verses, five verses? Verse 10, and uh, Deborah is going to put it up there, and the first thing you're going to notice is that all, what, what, what's that mean? Oh. So all who rely on the works of the law. But God, I've been doing good this week well yesterday i cussed less i I did less sinning i had less bad thoughts my attitude was eh better we, we do this for ourselves all the time we, we give ourselves tons of wrong kinds of grace i was better so therefore you owe me so tomorrow i'm going to healing sunday at Beloved Church, and I'm going to get healed Because I did good stuff this week Just so you know If healing was something that you could earn By your good works I want you to imagine The amount of good works Monetarily that it would take To earn healing Like if healing was for sale How much would it cost? And don't think pharmaceuticals Or maybe you could, based upon their overpriced... Never mind. I don't even know why I said it. You can't earn it. You can't live holy enough. You can't live righteous enough to ever earn healing, to ever earn blessing, to ever earn righteousness, to ever earn holiness, to ever earn anything that you think you can get from God. If you can earn it, you can't get it from God. Because if you can earn it, that means he owes it to you. Which means that you can put yourself in God's debt. Or God can, put, God can be put in your debt. Think about that. That is a radical thought. But we think that way. Well, God, I've been good. You've got to answer at least two prayers. Maybe I don't get ten, but I get two, right? Verse verse 12 of Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read these. I want you to follow the same line of thought there. Verse 12 says, So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Okay, so the law is not bad. The law is good. Because I've heard preachers preach that. Well, the law is bad. The law is terrible. Don't do the law. Stay in grace. Well, what? Wait a minute, you do know we got trans, transgender problems and sexuality problems and government stealing problems and, and drug problems and, and illegal immigration problems. we got all these problems in our world because we don't want to have any law. We don't want to be legalists. I want law. Law's good. Right? Law means that you're supposed to stay in your lane when we're on a two-lane road and I'm passing you the opposite direction. I want the law. So do you. Law is good. It's bad if you're trying to earn stuff by the law to God, but the law is good. Thank God the law told me that it's supposed to be me and Kay forever in a covenant for the rest of our lives. Thank God. Now I know. God said it. It's clear. Verse 13. Did that which is good then become death to me? Certainly not but in order that sin might be exposed as sin. So what did the law do? The law called sin, sin. I know you all think that I was just being mean, saying, our beloved church, we call fat, fat, and we call sin, sin. Ha, ha, Steve's being a jerk, he's calling fat. No, I'm literally quoting a Bible verse. You have to call sin, sin, in order for it to be sin. So God did that. He wrote a whole book and said, hey, here's sin. And then the Democrats came along. Never mind. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. I repent. I'm not a Republican either. But in order that sin might be exposed as sin, it produced death in me through what was good. That is radical. It snuck in. Are, Are you following that? Well, the law is good. So I'm going to keep the law and then I'll be good. And then sin said, ha ha, got him. Because they think they're going to keep this and then they'll be good. Got him through the law. Thanks God for the law. I got him. That was never the intent. God didn't give us the law so we could keep the law and become righteous. He gave us the law to show us what righteous people do. Amen. You don't Buy the owner's manual of your tv, your dvd, Well, we don't even have dvds Whatever you buy, i'm out of the loop, you don't buy the owner's Manual of your computer and then, lay, and then figure out every single thing There is and then ten years later go buy the computer. You do know the computer is out of date now. It was out of date ten minutes after you bought it anyway. That's not how it works. You buy the thing you're going to use, and then you read the manual on how to use it properly. And for every guy in the room, it actually tells you how to use it the right way. I, I know, because I figured it out. Oh, you're not supposed to put panel B on panel 7. Oh. I used to put that furniture together when I was in Bible college. That was one of my site, my part-time jobs was putting... Uh, the solder furniture together for people because that's when Solder furniture was like the thing. And I, I got paid because all the guys Wouldn't follow the instructions. They'd put the stuff together wrong and put, and then they'd tear it Apart. And, and So then their wives would call me and pay me 25 bucks or whatever to come put the stuff together because I actually followed the instructions. <laughs> My legalism made me money. But here's what it didn't make me. It didn't make me righteous before god steve puts solder furniture together well he's righteous before god if someone said that to you you'd slap the stupid out of them <laughs> really he's righteous because he put two pieces of wood together you know of course we're going to think that but let me say this really you're righteous because you didn't cuss really you're righteous because you were nice to your wife once this week really like God's like wow blow me over with a feather we will never ever ever do it to earn anything with God God either gives you righteousness by his grace or you don't get it so what do you have to do you have to believe well now this is who God says I am I don't feel like it I don't look like it I don't smell like it but this is what God says I am yep The sin wants to sneak in and say, hey, if you do righteousness enough, maybe God will think you're righteous. Doesn't that sound just like the snake? Hey, here's a tree with the knowledge of good and evil. Don't you want to have the knowledge of good and evil? Don't you want to be like God and be smart? Well, I do want to be like my father. I really love him. Well, great. You should eat some of the tree. He kind of said not to, but I really do want to be like him sin sneaks in slithers in like a snake and convinces you to do the thing that you would have already gotten by grace you know eventually god would have said hey this is the tree of life i need you to live anything you want now that you've gotten to maturity man it produced uh verse 13 that did that which is good then become death to me certainly not but in order that sin might be exposed as sin god had to call sin sin it produced death in me through what was good so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful and you can go and read genesis those of you that are reading through your bible in a year god bless you i applaud you that's awesome Um, And I noticed that a lot of you are doing it in the BSB, so uh, that's kind of cool. And one of the things you'll notice is right at the very beginning of Genesis, like humanity was like figuring it out on their own. Cain kills Abel, and then God protects Cain. Puts a mark in his forehead so everybody on the planet knows, like, hey, don't touch Cain. Because God protected him. And so then Lamech came along and said, hey, if God's going to protect Cain for killing his brother, I can kill people, and God will protect me. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is what happens when you try to have doctrine based upon experience. I can't tell you how often I need to reiterate this to people. Stop trying to measure God by your experience. (laughs) That's what Lamech did. And he killed a guy, thinking that God was okay with it. God wasn't okay with it. So later on, thou shalt not kill. Oh, so we're not supposed to kill one another? Did I have to tell you? The answer is, yes. He had to tell us. You know, they came up to Jesus like, hey, um, is it cool? Can we just get divorced? Can we divorce our wives? They were, they were guys, you know, it was never the women. The guys walked up to Jesus, hey, can we divorce our wives anytime we want and get us a newer model? Jesus is like, what? He's like, well, yeah, Moses gave us a writ of, a, of divorcement, so it's got to be cool, right? No. Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses gave that to you. <laughs> you bunch of jerks. Go look at the garden story. In perfection, it was man and woman in covenant for the rest of their lives. And in the covenant in the, in the garden, they would have lived forever. That's a long covenant. Amen. And it was going to get better and better and better. Jesus pointed back to sinless perfection. He didn't point back to the law. Yeah, Moses gave you a writ of divorcement. Yeah, fine, if you, if you want to come up with some reason to do, your, to do your thing, you can probably take some scripture and twist it up, but you will never have the heart of God. It produced death in me <clears throat> through what was good so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. Verse 14, we know that the law is, this is so important, spiritual. <laughs> Spiritual. The law is spiritual. Which means there's more going on there than thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. There's a spiritual thing going on. That's why in the New Testament come along and say, hey, you want to keep the whole law? Love. Love keeps the whole law. Why? Because love is spiritual. Of course, you can't love someone and steal from them. You can't love someone and covet their wife. You can't love someone and murder them. Love keeps the whole law. Because love is spiritual, not carnal. Like Judas' love, carnal. Jesus' love, spiritual. The law is spiritual. Therefore, let's uh, go back to verse 10 in Galatians chapter 3. The curse of the law. Notice the definite articles. The curse of the law. All who, rely, uh, all who rely on the works of the law. The works. It's actually in there. <laughs> the works of the law. These are, these are specifics. So the works of the law is the specific works that people attributed to keeping the law. These were the people that walked up to Jesus and said, you can't heal on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus is like, why not? Well, because the law says where it doesn't say that they implied that well you know the law says we shouldn't be working and you know and working you know they actually got it down to the point where you could not have a large bowel movement on the sabbath because it was considered work You, you think I'm not even being funny it's legitimate this was the religion of that day if you had a large bowel movement you were defiled on the sabbath You know what's work? Holding it back. (laughs) The curse of the law, back to the Bible. The curse of the law would be inside the greater of the law of sin and death. We're going to get that, but I want you to understand. The curse of the law, the curse of Torah, would be a smaller version of curse than the curse that came into all of mankind through the fall i'm going to say it again because i know some of you guys got your gears turning the curse of the law is a lesser version of curse towards actions than the curse of mankind that happened because we fell in the garden this is huge this is everybody this is universal period you fall out of the garden you are under the curse of the fall the people that were under the curse of the law was a separate group of people that came over here that god said hey here's torah live torah these people got a curse associated with torah but all people got the curse associated with the fall of all of mankind so the curse of the law is smaller than the curse that was associated with the fall everybody with me this is really important because most of the curses that we read about in the scriptures are associated with law keeping so those are smaller than just being human (laughs) fallen human curse is sin and death sin and death is worse than you didn't keep the levitical law for how to bake the bread the right way. If you didn't break the bread the right way, you had to be outside of the camp for eight days. When you are under the law of sin and death, you die forever. That's worse, worse curse. The word under is the Greek word hupo, and you guys probably, you know, the, in the medical community, they use a lot of Greek. So, hupo, uh, doesn't just mean under like i'm my hand is under the keyboard Hoopo actually means submitted so it means bowed to in submission in subjection so under the curse in this verse means you're submitted to you're subjected to whether you like it or not that's your position that's your rank submitted to the curse it means you're a subordinate You are a person under the curse. That's your name. A curse means uh, the word is uh, katara, and katara means it's a compound word that comes from kata, which means according to or down. It means all the way to the infinite uh, end. And the word uh, aura, which is where the word curse comes from, means a malediction, and I know these are going to be funky words, but I want you to follow me. Malediction or imprecation. Well, you know what this is? It's witchcraft. It's literally witchcraft. It's pronouncing a curse by your mouth under spiritual wicked forces that something bad happens to another person. This is literally talking about the curse that was spoken out by God. (laughs) That's what we were subjected to. We were never supposed to be because God intended that curse to be for the rebel. His name is Satan and the devil. And when you submit yourself to Satan, you get what belongs to him. Just like if you submit yourself to Christ, you get what belongs to him. It works both ways. When you live outside of your nature of God, when you live outside of your nature of Christ, when you go into the flesh, when you go into emotion, when you go into humanity, and you're gonna go over here and do it your way, you are literally submitting yourself, subordinating yourself under the one that has that. And you rightfully get in the spirit realm what belongs to him. But when you come over here and you submit yourself to Christ, You rightfully get what belongs to him. What do you think belongs to him? Healing is one of them. Health. Is Jesus sick in heaven? Did Did he wake up this morning and say, oh, man, I do not know what they did to this bed, but I feel like I got beat up. Oh, I had to move my friend Lee yesterday, and so my back, my legs are, I'm so sore. Jesus is like, man, I moved all those Christians. I moved a billion Christians yesterday. Father, pray for me. <laughs> you get what he gets. His blessing your blessing. The second part of this verse, you can see it's in quotes, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. That comes from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, and it's in the Septuagint, which means that, the, that Paul knew his Septuagint, which was the Greek version of the Bible. Which is cursed is every man that continues not in all the words of the law so let's say you're doing better than me let's say you're more holy you're living more righteous than steve castle god bless you i'll give you a reward you can you can have a sticker a a badge whatever you want but if you're not doing it all what does all mean If you're going to earn it, you got to do it all. It's not beating Steve. It's not picking the person in that. Well, you know, somebody who's really terrible at Christianity. Let me scan this crowd. All right, so I'm going to be better than them. Isn't that convenient? You've changed the standard. The standard's all. Verse 11, justification through faith is now the clear means of salvation. This is like the doctrine of the Apostle Paul. That we are justified not by works of the law, not by the law itself. The way that we're justified is by faith. I'm not going to beat this drum too loud because I've already preached two full messages on justification by faith. But I want to let you know that justification by faith, that doctrine that Paul gave us, is the doctrine for healing. Anything that's in salvation that Jesus paid for gets to you the same way. You believe that he has it and he freely wants to give it to you. And so faith, believing in his finished work for your eternal salvation is the way you get eternal salvation. Faith in believing that by his stripes, all your sickness and all your disease was dealt with is the exact same thing for you to get into that part of salvation. It all works the same way. You're not going to earn yourself in. You're not going to eat perfect organic food, take exactly the right amount of minerals and vitamins, work out the exact amount right, count your calories, make sure that you stay in or out of the sun, depending on whether it's good or bad. You either do or don't eat eggs, depending on whether they're good or bad. You either do or don't drink coffee, depending on which generation thinks that it's good or bad. And do it right and then you're divinely healthy voila i got news for you sister brother this world is jacked up jacked up they're putting it in your water they're putting it in your food they're putting it in the air they're spraying us right now while i'm talking they're doing everything they can to make you sick. If you think you're going to be healthy by doing all those natural things right, you're going to homeopathic yourself into divine health, you're a fool. Amen. The only way to be healthy on this planet is in the finished work of Christ. The only way for you to be saved is calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Now, once you're saved, I would encourage you to do right stuff. Work out. So your body doesn't feel like it's still lost. (laughs) Some of you know what I mean. This verse that Paul used, Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, is a central belief in the New Testament. Verse 12, the law is not based on faith. Anybody can go believe it. You you know what? There's a bunch of ungodly, atheistic people out there right now that are thou shalt not murdering. Are they just? No, because then you'll say, well, they they might not be murdering, but they're not. Loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, commandment number one. Okay. But if you're not keeping the whole law, the law is not based on faith and here's another quote here the man who does these things will live by them that comes out of leviticus chapter 18 verses 4 and 5 that says that i want i just want you to hear this you are to practice my judgments and keep my statutes by walking in them i am the lord your god keep my statues and my judgments for the man that does these things will live by them you got to do it all statutes judgments all of it notice how he repeated it like you're not getting past this like i don't think that verse was right oh no let me repeat it in the next verse i am the lord Ooh, okay so god said it this wasn't just moses having a bad day so you know this this stupid church that you got me out here in the wilderness with these the stiff necked church anybody know moses was a pastor i can really relate You're having a bad day in prayer. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to write in God's name. Keep all the statutes that I gave you, church. (laughs) Ha, got them. (laughs) No, this wasn't Moses having a bad day, mad at the church. This was, I am the Lord. That's what God said. I am the Lord. These were verses. That was like God saying, by the way, it's not Moses having a bad day. This is me telling you, this is how it works. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Redeemed means to be taken completely out of. Completely out of. You're not still, you just still don't have one leg in the curse system. <sighs> it's like you were a slave and they brought you up on the slave auction. And there you stand on the slave auction, completely naked, ashamed your, your first sale, you're just a piece of meat that someone's gonna buy and abuse. And then Jesus comes along, slips into the crowd, and he's got infinite amounts of dollars, and he bids for you. You know, and the, and the terrible slave master guy over here, he's like, I'm gonna get that slave. His name is Satan. And he bids higher. And Jesus says, Yep. And the devil bids higher. Jesus says, Yep. Do I have 1 million? Yep. 2 million? Yep. 3 million? Yep. Do I have infinite amounts? And then Satan's like, I ain't got that much. Jesus said, yep. I'll buy him. And you know, he didn't just buy your left leg. He didn't just buy your eternity. He bought you out of the slave auction, forever and put you in his kingdom in his way you are forever out of all of that system and placed in his system you're now a slave to righteousness man what a good thing to be a slave to to redeem by payment of a price to recover from the power of another to ransom to buy off you've been bought out don't let the enemy buy you back atonement is in full view in this verse atonement i want to go down to verse 14 it says he redeemed us in order that the blessing promised to abraham would come the blessing promised to abraham would come what's that abraham was given his first blessing in genesis 12 but a lot of people don't know this he was given a blessing in genesis 12 genesis 13 genesis 15 genesis 17 genesis 22 he didn't just have one blessing he had blessings But they were all the blessing of abraham because god spoke them to abraham i'm going to cover the blessings in our next message together but i want you to get this that you get the blessings of jesus christ because you were redeemed from one kingdom to the other the kingdom that cursed you the kingdom that says you're only human and you're going to die miserably painfully sick and diseased Was the kingdom you were bought out of? Your slave master, Satan, said, I wanna wreck every part of them. I wanna steal, kill, and destroy every aspect of their physical being. And Jesus came along and says, Yep, I'll take them. And in his kingdom, no sickness, no disease, no arthritis, no cancer, no diabetes, no aches and pains not even any and i hesitate to do this but not even supposed to be pain in childbirth
0: Amen.
1: Amen. that's right Brittany's believing for it you watch <laughs> kay believe for it we almost got there any woman that's ever had a baby almost getting there is way better than the other way Amen. so we didn't hit it perfectly our kids were still painful Sometimes they still are. <laughs> it's funny. They cause a ton of pain to their mother in birth. And then later on, all the pain is for the father. Like, take that. <laughs> Kate's just like, they're just so pretty still. That is supposed to be redeemed. You can read that, Second Timothy chapter 1. That we're supposed to be redeemed. Everything that the enemy did to you in the fall has now been redeemed by the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which has made you free from the law of sin and death. Death is sickness and disease. Sin is what gets you into sickness and disease. And you're free from both, the door and the room. You were made to accept the blessings of God in your lives. Please rise.